Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. If you're going to come to the Lord's booth or his feast, if you're going to enter in, you have to forsake everything else in the marketplace. The Lord must become your exclusive vendor, the person you go to for love, for hope, for peace, for fulfillment, for satisfaction. You got to go all in. And if you do, his table is set. He has more than the abundance that you need for your life. But you can't be going out and sampling the wares of the rest of the marketplace. Open God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. In a world full of religious options, there's many choices. Some require looking inward, others require outward actions of good or sacrifice in order to be faithful. As Pastor Ricky teaches you today, you'll learn that once you decide to follow Jesus and sit at his table, it's exclusive. No longer can there be a sampling of other religions or systems. It's a narrow gate to pass through for salvation. It's only found in Christ. Pastor Ricky reminds us that you've got to go all in. He has more than enough for you. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Isaiah chapter 55. As he continues his message, Christ was born for you, born to those with nothing. The Lord has come up to his people and said, why are you out here? You're starving, you're thirsty. Come into the restaurant. The table is set. Everything is here. And this is how he describes the table being set. There's water, there's milk, there's wine. And David Mathis points out that these are three spiritual realities. First, water is necessary for survival, right? If you're out in the desert for two days without water, you're going to be on the brink of death Water is what restores you to life. And God is offering to restore his people back to life. But not only that, he will not only help them survive, he's offering to help them thrive. He, this is the picture of milk, right? Milk is for usually maybe one of those people that's just like a cold glass of milk at night kind of person. But mostly, uh, as in this day, milk was for infants, for kids, for nourishment, to help them grow. And that is what's in view here as well. God is offering to not just kind of keep his people on life support, but to help them grow and thrive And the third picture is wine. Now, in Scripture, wine is a picture, not just, it's not a survival. Wine is a picture of feasting. Imagine the biggest party you've ever been to, a wedding celebration, a 50th anniversary celebration, a first person in your family to graduate from college celebration. Somebody graduates from college or the police academy or whatever. There's a big family celebration. Nobody is busting out cups of water there, right? You may be a, a, a Haritos family, right? You got the big case of Haritos. It's a hot day. Everybody's busting those things open, tss, tss, you know, like, ah, yes. Or maybe you love the winter. You're out in the cabin. You got hot chocolate served. Everyone's toasting. Or maybe you're a champagne kind of family. If you are, like, good for you. God is offering not just the minimum his people need. He's not just offering a little bit more that they can grow. He is offering a feast. He's offering, in essence, to take them back to the garden. That is the offer. That is what the Lord is out in the marketplace shouting. But point two, there is competition. 
Verse two says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? God comes to his people and finds them out there spending money at places that will not satisfy them. God is not the only one selling in this crowded marketplace. And outside of the Garden of Eden, humanity is constantly moving from thing to thing, trying this and that, anything outside of God that they can use to survive, to thrive, to celebrate. But all of it is empty. All of it is powerless because it's cut off from the source of life, which is God himself. As it, I often do on Saturday afternoons, I took a rabbit trail through the etymology of a modern word. Does everybody do that Saturdays? Uh, it's a good, fun way. And I looked up the term thirsty. Don't worry, parents, this is safe for kids. The modern term thirsty actually originated in the 80s in its modern usage as a slang term for somebody interested in drugs, right? So if you hear somebody on the street, oh, that person's thirsty, what, you'd meant, what that meant is that they were looking for drugs. They're looking to score some drugs. Then in the internet era, it became, as defined by one urban dictionary, a graceless need for approval, affection, or attention, one so raw it creeps people out, right? We see this all the time right, in social media where maybe everybody has that one friend that people are posting nice holiday pictures. And this one person, they post this picture and you're like, man, you spent a lot of time staging that picture. You know what I mean? The lighting is perfect. They're wearing their best clothing. It just, and they're like, just a casual Christmas morning. And they've got like, whew, they've been up for two hours getting dressed. You know, their kids are all arranged, right? There's a roaring fireplace, half-eaten cookies, every, like the whole thing. And you're like, man, all right. Like, that's kind of what it became. And then in recent years, it's become to describe somebody on the romantic prowl or just out for carnal pleasure. Somebody who's just out there trying to get attention, affection one way, pleasure one way or the other. And I think in that word, <laughs> you see humanity's problem. We just keep going from thing to thing to thing, whether it's drugs to attention to desire to romance to kind of just carnality, whatever it is, from thing to thing to thing, looking for something that will satisfy us. And the Lord says, there is a problem with this. The problem is, it's not bread. It does not satisfy. It may look appetizing, but I remember years ago... I, in an attempt to make a grand romantic gesture, uh, I took Jen on Valentine's Day, I think this is when we were dating, to, to a fancy hotel that served like an afternoon tea, you know? It's very fancy, and there's like, you know, these teas and little sandwiches and little cookies, and, they, and I'm thinking, and it was not cheap, I'll tell you that, and especially for like a kid, a guy in college trying to go scrape up the dough for this. And I remember at the end of this, you know, our presentation of various teas and small sandwiches, I, we left, and I looked at Jen, and I was like, are you starving? I feel hungrier now than when I went into the tea. And she was like, yeah, I'm, so I think we got like a pizza or something like that, right? Like you're eating all this food and it's fancy. And it's like, ooh, and you're like, ah, there's nothing there. There's no substance. That is what the Lord is saying about the world around us, right? And the, the price is steep and the payoff is meaningless. So the Lord says, come here. Come to me, come to my feast. Third point, the price. Now, this is 
the unexpected obstacle that we run into. The Lord says, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Now, Spurgeon makes a great comment here. He says, okay, for most realms of life, the seller is always trying to bring people up to pay the price needed, right? You know, you like that car? All right, well, it's this much, but let me talk you up to it. Or, you know, that's a really nice suit jacket, so let me talk you up to being willing to spend that money. But here the obstacle is different. The Lord is actually trying to talk his people down to his price. He's trying to say, no, no, you're not, you're not getting it. It's lower, it's lower, lowered, low, 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 okay. Free, yes, there it is. That's what it, that's what it costs. And the problem, Spurgeon says, is that so often when faced with the Lord's offer, we come and we try to say, well, I, I, I got to give you something for that. You know, I got I to do this. All right, let me tell you a story. Uh, about a few years ago, uh, my wife and I, my wife had kind of a beater car, so we were interacting with this one salesperson who was trying to say, hey, I'll give you a really good deal on this car. It's, it's more reliable. It's nicer. I'll give you a really good deal on it. So I began to haggle with this salesperson, and, and I felt the price that they were offering for the vehicle was too low. Don't you guys do this as well? I, I hear the offer, and I'm like, that seems low. Let, let me give you at least this for it. And the salesperson, annoyingly, said, no, this is the price. I, don't, I won't accept more than that. Like, well, let me, let me what, about, what if I pay you this now, and then I also pay you this later? And they're like, what, what is wrong with you? Just, this is the price. Just take the offer. And the salesperson, very annoying, turned out it was my dad. My dad was, they were changing vehicles and they were trying to help my wife and I out and say, hey, we're, we're gonna get rid of this car. We, we're gonna give it to you. We only want this for it. And I was the one saying, no, 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 I, I want, <laughs> I wanna give you a little bit more. I wanna give you a little bit more. And Jen is just looking at me like, what is wrong with you, right? And <laughs> just take the more, you know. And, and so after that, I began to think, okay, why did I have such a hard time with that? And here, you know what it is? Here's what it is. I wanted to be able to walk out into the garage, see the car, and say to myself, I did that. That's me, right? I wanted to turn the key in the ignition, drive it down the road, and say, yep, yep, I got this. This is me, right? And that is the exact same impulse the Lord is having to push against with his people here. The, the Lord is offering a free salvation. And they, in, in a sense, one of the reasons they can't take advantage of the offer is because they're like, no, 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 I want to give you something for this. And, and Spurgeon describes various ways Christians can do this. Sometimes Christians offer religious ritual in exchange for the offer of this feast. They're the person that does certain prayers over and over and over. They have to do certain kinds of penance. They have to light candles. They have to do this or do that. And, and they bring all of this and say, okay, I will pay for that with this. Or Spurgeon says, there's, there's the kind of Christian that, that does many good deeds. They're always out serving the poor. They're always giving to the little, the little red bucket every holiday season. They always march for justice. They do every social media campaign, even ones you've never heard of. We're like, is we trying to save a specific tree in Utah? Is that what this social media campaign is about? Yes, Bob in Utah, we're gonna save this tree, right? And, and it's sort of a millennial thing where it's like, well, I know the Lord's offering me all this, but I have to offer something back. I have to, I'm really good, I promise. 
or maybe those that have certain theological knowledge that know a lot about God. They've read so many books. They've memorized confessions. They can correct their small group leader every time he commits a small heresy, right? Like, ah. Or those that have had experiences, that they, I've, I had this time of prayer. I did this. I experienced this. I, this spiritual gift I have. They receive the gift, but say, but I can pay you back with this. Here's the truth. The moment we try to offer something to God in order to receive his gift, we void the offer. And here's why. Because there is something in our human hearts that says, we want to receive the salvation of the Lord. We want to enter the feast, but we want to look around and say to ourselves, I did this. I got here. I earned my place at the table. And what the Lord knows is that impulse is the essence of sin. That's what led us outside of the garden in the first place, that, that we wanted to find our fulfillment and satisfaction apart from God. We didn't want to be dependent creatures. We want to do it ourselves. And so when we do that, when we come to the Lord and he says, here's the offer, it's free, come, come feast. And we try to offer anything in return to earn it, the offer is void. So the Lord is, is trying to bring us down to empty hands, empty pockets, receiving the gift. But this gift, though it is free to us, is costly. Point number four, the payment. This is costly. Verse three charges us to incline our ears, and God offers, I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. And at first, you're like, wait, wait, you're talking about an offer, and then all of a sudden you bring up David? I don't understand what's happening here. Well, this is very intentional. First, it points out that this offer from the Lord is not any old offer. This is a covenant. The Lord is offering a covenant promise to his people. A promise like the covenant with David is being made, a covenant offer is being made to God's people. And David, as we've seen in Isaiah last year, David is often used in scripture as a foreshadowing of the future Messiah. Somebody will come like David in the future, and that's what God's people looked forward to. Perhaps most famously, we remember reading about this Messiah, this future David in Isaiah 53. You have this picture of God's people have all this weight of sin and debt against God, and yet this suffering servant comes and pays that debt for them that they might be welcome to the feast of God. John Flavel, a Puritan, uh, Flavel, a Puritan says this, thinking about and imagining the dialogue between the father and the son, he says this. The father says, my son, here is a company of poor, miserable souls that have utterly undone themselves and now lie open to my justice. Justice demands satisfaction for them or will satisfy itself in the eternal ruin of them. What shall be done for these souls? The son says, O oh, father, such is my love and pity for them that rather than they should perish eternally, I will be responsible for them as their guarantee. Bring all thy bills that I might see what they owe thee. Lord, bring them all in that there may be no after reckonings with them. And on my hand, you will require it. I will choose to suffer your wrath than that they should suffer it. Upon me, Father, be all their debt. And the father says to the son, but my son, 
If you undertake this for them, you must reckon to pay the last cent. Expect no discounts. If I spare them, I will not spare you. And the son says, Father, let it be so. Charge it all to me. I am able to pay it. And though it prove a kind of undoing to me, though it impoverish all my riches, empty all my treasures, yet I am content to undertake it. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That free gift, friends, is not free. It perhaps is the costliest gift in all of eternity that, that someone else should come cancel our debts and set us free and invite us to the feast. This is what the Lord has done for us. So point number five, and briefly, the last call, verse six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The last thing you have to know about this offer of salvation is that there is an expiration date placed on the Offer. We're really familiar with that, right? I can't get on social media right now or on any websites because I am in a constant state of panic if I try to look at anything on Walmart or Target because what do all, all of them say? Limited time only, 75% off, 80, 95% off. And you're like, 12. I know my favorite is the ones with the clock. It's like 12 hours left of the sale, 11, 10, 9. And you're like, I don't even want a jacket, but I feel like I need to get one because it's so limited, you know? Like, and what if I need a jacket in February and the sale's gone? And so you're buying like five jackets and, you know, three fire pits or whatever. And what gets you is like, it's just limited. It's right now. It's, it could go away. And here, here's the thing. While that's unhealthy, I think sometimes Christians lack a certain healthy appreciation for the limited time offer of salvation. Look, it can be easy. Let me just speak to the students for a minute. I grew up in church. It can be easy to grow up in church and do the stuff you need to, do the bare minimum stuff so mom and dad don't get on your case too much and yet think, okay, all right, well, when I'm out of high school, then I'll really start following Jesus. Or when I'm out of, you know, when I'm, when I'm out of this grade, you know, th then I'll really start kind of taking my faith seriously. Look, it, it doesn't work that way. Look, we've seen this year, you don't know how much time you have. You never know how much time you have. Or maybe you're not even a kid. Maybe you've grown up... Uh, and, and you're, you've got kids of your own, and, and you think the same thing. All right, well, next year, I'm really going to try to turn this around. I'm going to really start going to church more next year. I'm going to start making my way back to God next year. And it doesn't work that way. If you today hear the offer of salvation, Isaiah 55 charges you, seek the Lord while he is there to be sought. Call upon him while he is near. Don't think about it tomorrow or next week or next year. None of us know. None of us have tomorrow guaranteed or next year guaranteed. The Lord could come back. You could go to the Lord. We don't know. Seek him while he may be found. And there is a bit of fine print in that turning to seek the Lord. It's in verse 7. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Right? And you might say, well, wait a minute. I thought we weren't supposed to do something so that God would save us. No, that's not how this works. This isn't offered to get God to save us or to invite us to the feast. Essentially, what this means is if you're gonna come to the Lord's booth or his feast, if you're going to enter in, you have to forsake everything else in the marketplace. The Lord must become your exclusive vendor, the person you go to for love, for hope, for peace, for fulfillment, for satisfaction. You got to go all in. And if you do, his table is set. He has more than the abundance that you need for your life. But you can't be going out and sampling the wares of the rest of the marketplace. The last call, seek him while he may be found. But the promise is that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. If you even are stuck thinking, well, I still can't come. I got to fix this. I got to fix that. And then I'll listen to the Lord and come. No, he has pardons in abundance. Come to him today. Come to him now. Let me close with this. I had the privilege of doing a membership interview this week for a couple joining the church. They just moved to El Paso this fall. And she, in her testimony that she submitted as part of the membership process, has this quote that I just think, man, this is the Lord's word to us today. Here's her experience. She says this, until I was 15, I thought as long as my life looked different than the world, I was in good enough standing with the Father. I truly thought that salvation was a given from my lifelong membership in the church, as well as saying the token prayer at every invitation at the end of the service. And she quotes the prayer. If you follow along with this prayer or meet it in your heart, then you have been saved, right? You just, she say the prayer all the time and think, ah, I'm good. But in high school, she has this moment where she encounters the Lord and realizes, man, I'm not good enough. I really have debts that are outstanding. This is not good. But there was an obstacle that held her back that she had to get through. And she makes this comment. She says this, never had it been made so clear that my being, quote, good was a rejection of God's free gift. Meaning this, you can't think I'm a good person and still receive the gift of the Lord. It is a rejection of it. But by God's grace, she says this, repentance was necessary for me to understand my need for a savior. In essence, what she's saying is she had to repent, if you could use this language, repent of being a quote, good enough person in order to empty her hands and take hold of what Christ offered her. Maybe you today are called to do the same thing. Open God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Open God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Christmas time is here. For a lot of people, Christmas brings happy memories filled with joy and laughter. But for many others, the memories aren't so sweet. Christmas can also be filled with deep heartache and loneliness. 
If your Christmases are less than jolly, we're glad that you decided to spend some time with us on Better News Radio, because we really do have better news for you. You heard in today's message with Pastor Ricky that Christ was born for you. One of the names given to the newborn king was Emmanuel, which means God with us. No matter how lonely your Christmas might be, you're not alone. The God of the universe sees you, and he knows you, and he loves you. He's with you. Better News Radio is a ministry out of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. Are you in the area? We would love to meet you. Stop by and see us this Sunday morning at 9 or 11. For more information about the church and location, head on over to betternewsradio.com. Once again, that's betternewsradio.com. And if Christmas isn't such a happy one for you, check out our Better News book. In this free book, we'll take a look at some questions like, why is there a deep longing in our hearts that we just can't seem to satisfy? And if you have any questions still after reading it, email us at radio at crossofgraceradio.com. Once again, that email is radio at crossofgraceradio.com. We'd be happy to try and answer all of your questions or just pray for you. Well, that brings us to the end of this special Christmas message. We'll be praying for you until we meet again next time here on Better News Radio.